Hello and welcome to Run for President Forest Run. My name is Dean, and joining me today is, well, uh, no one, I guess. Normally I would just wait until I was able to get some sort of uh, co-host for this one, but this has been such a week in politics that we really couldn't wait. With a Democratic debate happening tonight, there uh, there's too much to fit in one show. So, with that in mind, I'm just going to give you a quick update on what's been happening this week, and then next week we'll talk about how Sanders and Hillary Clinton did in the debate. We're not mentioning O'Malley in that one, but we may as well. With that in mind, uh, let's start with the Democrats, notably just Bernie Sanders, because he has had one hell of a week. Or at least at least uh, since Wednesday. What happened with Sanders this week was threefold. Uh, good news first, then more good news, then bad news, but then I guess some more good news. Starting with, Sanders earned the endorsement from Communication Workers of America which is a pretty major union right here. It's got 700,000 members, and he's got their support now, so that's going to be awesome. And what's notable about that is it was a very exclusive poll. It was strictly for those members. That, uh, at the point that was uh, announced, that was his biggest endorsement yet. He got some endorsements, some moved over to Hillary Clinton's side, but he's been very pro-union, and this speaks volumes to that. However, that was blown completely out of the water when shortly after, he was endorsed by Democracy for America. Democracy for America is an entirely grassroots campaign strictly for endorsing the candidates that have met their approval. They have some minor endorsements for a lot of smaller positions around the United States, and since the 2004 election, they have been opening their support to a candidate that has been able to reach a supermajority that is 66% of whoever uh, qualifies in their poll. So in 2004, it was started by Howard Dean in order to help him uh, get the nomination for the Democratic Committee. And that, it fell flat, but he ended up taking that support anyway. Uh, 2008, the poll was open for, uh, the poll was open between Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, neither of which was able to secure that supermajority. However, this year, this year only, uh, Sanders blew support out of the water and was able to snag almost 88% of the vote. It was an online poll, and all you needed to provide was your name, your email address, and zip code. Uh, I think mostly to get verification out, you had to verify your email to begin with to make your vote count. And he was able to get 88% of nearly 270,000. And that was, it's major for a lot of reasons. A, before this poll was opened, the Democracy for America members already voted, and he got 70% of their vote. So that was already added to... So when it was made public, it was already way out there. He was already going to take that nomination before. And a lot of people are nervous about this, because Hillary Clinton has been the frontrunner in a lot of people's minds for endorsements, so it seemed only natural that she was going to get it. On top of that, uh, Howard Dean, who started this, has been an unabashed Hillary supporter. So, some people were uh, already nervous that, well, there might already be some vote manipulation 
if you want to put your tinfoil hat on. Others might think, well, if it's full of people like Howard Dean who are like-minded, then it seems only natural Hillary was going to get it, which might be a reasonable assumption. So, but it is an online poll, and Sanders does do better in those than others. Knowing that, Sanders uh, took that nomination, and now he has the full support of nearly... It's always, it's always a different number whenever I see how many people are part of this and how many people will volunteer. I'm almost certain it's about 100,000 people who, the second their nomination is given, will throw all of their manpower and all of their support towards that candidate. It's more than just votes. It is people who will call, people who will... Uh, go door to door it's important members already throwing their support and that couldn't have come at a better time because uh, no no later than 24 hours after that something terrible happened but it, it, it is important to note before that that Sanders surpassed 2 million contributions later that day it was, it, it was an incredible 24 hours. It seemed like he was on top of the world. And 2 million contributions, no small feat, because I think around this time, Obama, 8 years ago, received 1 million contributions, and that was unprecedented. Bernie seems to be a man of the people on this one. <laughs> or maybe it's the same, you know, a couple thousand con uh, contributors uh, contributing the same time. Don't know if that's individual, but it's certainly an impressive number. Maybe it's because he's able to mobilize more support this time around. <clears throat> now, back to the bad news. If you have been paying attention to any political news so far, you would find out that uh, Sanders was given a huge backlash from the Democratic National Committee, notably that of the uh, chairwoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz. See, around that time, See, during that time, the shared database of the Democrats that both Sanders and Clinton's campaigns are able to see, and this, this tracks voter information, this tracks demographics, this has notes, this has all of that juicy info, there is a barrier between what the Sanders com campaign and what the, Hillary's, uh, what the Clinton campaign can see. And there was a security glitch. The firewall, that they're calling it, was down for a few hours, and during that time, both campaigns were able to see what the other uh, what the other had in terms of notes, in terms of what they have recorded. Now, <clears throat> the DNC is already made aware of this, so both campaigns were supposed to agree to not access either of their information. Alright. <clears throat> so, knowing that, you can probably already tell where I'm going with this story. Someone from Sanders' campaign uh, accessed Clinton's notes, was able to do a few searches, and the story changes depending on where you read it. Uh, some claim he was able to save the data for private use. Others say you can't save that data, it's impossible. Uh, some say he was able to manipulate it and put some sort of note in there. Others say, no, that's impossible. You're only able to see it. You're only able to search by it. Regardless of what happened, it was made clear that him and a couple of others were able to access the campaign data, and as such, the Democratic National Committee suspended Sanders' campaign. 
you might think. Well, okay, he broke the rules. That seems like a fair punishment. Until you realize that when they say suspend his campaign, he's not able to ask for donations, he's not able to access his own data uh, for getting the vote out or for advertising himself. So, essentially, his campaign is was dead in the water. And I say was because... Well, well, we'll get to that. So, naturally, Bernie Sanders and his supporters raised one hell of a ruckus. If you are a Sanders supporter, you might already be thinking, well, that seems like blatant favoritism. And maybe it is, because uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz and other members of the committee have already been associated with uh, Clinton in the past, going so far as supporting her back in 2008. From an outside perspective, you might think, okay, well, it, he shouldn't have done that, and uh, now he's paying the penalty, but it seems like a very harsh penalty to do. The details of that are, uh, they are supposed to receive a note in advance saying that you broke the rules, and there will be consequences, and there should be some sort of uh, investigation beforehand. So, it seemed pretty out of nowhere that it, it seemed like a very knee-jerk reflection. Uh, it seemed like a very knee-jerk reaction uh, to the Sanders campaign, one of which has already been fighting an uphill battle. So naturally, they raised a ruckus, they uh, complained that there was blatant favoritism, uh, went so far as to file a lawsuit against the DNC. And that is big. It's 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 a uh, it's a very weird power play because when you do that you are saying two things. A, we don't like how you're doing this and we think you are playing favorites and this is unfair and we need to bring you to justice. And B, it sends that it, it sends that impression that you can't do this without uh, it, it's like it's like the person at the game that you're playing that needs to, that wants everyone to follow the rules, and will go so far as to make the ref their best friend. You know, do you, you know what I'm saying? Uh, it's it's a it's a big it's a, it's a power play to do, but it's also branding you as that guy in the campaign. Like you're no you're going to bring in a lawyer the second things don't go your way. But it worked. It worked. Uh, DWS and the DNC backed down from their position, and Sanders got his data back uh, earlier Saturday morning. Whether or not it's... Uh, I, I, I dispute the damages that were done because they're estimating it's about $600,000 of damage done, but I do understand the significance. Uh, they suspended his campaign the day before one of the few debates that has been going on, and it is still... 46 days from the uh, time of recording this to the Iowa caucus, and that is crucial time. You can't waste a moment. With him already fighting an uphill battle, and he's still he's still points behind Hillary Clinton. I think New Hampshire is a different story. He's been equal, maybe surpassing her there sometimes, but Iowa is the big one. The nation's eyes are on Iowa. He's been making leaps and bounds, but he still needs all the support he can get. So, finding out that he had to basically sit back a day didn't work. Now, as far as 
the lawsuit is concerned, I don't know if that is still going to be... I'm pretty sure it still is, because whether or not this is an unfair decision, they already reversed it. Uh, but to point out that there is blatant favoritism, I'm not sure what that is going to accomplish. Because if it turns out that their perception is skewed beyond a, prov beyond a reasonable doubt, uh, then what is that going to do? It's, it's going to announce that, yes, the deck has been stacked against them, but what, what will that do in terms of uh, the voters? Is that going to say, oh, you can't vote for Hillary anymore? No, she's, she's still a major candidate. A lot of people still want her for president. Uh, is that going to reverse any damage done? No. People, uh, she's still high in the minds of the public. And I, I, you know what? I'm, I'm going to, as, as pro-Sanders as I sound right now, and I am, but I, I, I do have to give credence to the other side. I don't think that the smaller debate schedule is entirely intentional. Uh, a lot of people have asserted that yes, they are. They we have less debates, uh, and that is showing that the less people see Hillary, the more they like her. Or Sanders can't get his name out, or uh, whatever people are saying about O'Malley. I've never met an O'Malley supporter. Let's let's start that off right there. But as far as a smaller debate schedule, it fits. When they when they started when they when they had the first debate scheduled, there were only five uh, hopeful candidates and one outsider, which later turned out to be none. And then that uh, then that got cut in half. Then we only had Clinton, Sanders, and O'Malley. And O'Malley, I don't know why he is still running. He is consistently running at 2% at most. And that is at most liberal polls. If he and Sanders ever said, you know what, we're not going to do these debates anymore, uh, have fun debating with yourself, that would mark against them, but it would also just say a lot about the DNC, and that is a very, uh, that would, I don't know how much of an impact that would make, because Hillary could just take the high road and say, oh, well, I'm just playing by the rules. <clears throat> it's a smaller schedule, because compared to the Republican side, there are a dozen of them still vying for the seat. I'm looking at here right now, and there's one, two. There's Trump, Carson, Rubio, Cruz, Bush, Kasich, Christie, Fiorina, Paul, and then four people on the uh, undercard, and that's 13 people. That's 13 people still vying for president at this stage. There's no reason for that, and it's 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 boggling to me how half of them still think they have a chance. But we'll, we'll get to them in a second. We'll get to them in a second. Uh, the Democratic debates demo uh, usually have more substance and more... Uh, they have better answers, and they certainly have a lot... Uh, it's, it's, it's condensed. Really, it is. Half of the Republican debates are bickering, in my mind. It's a lot of talking over the moderators. It's attacking each other. It's there's not a lot of substance to go on. So towards the end of it, you you start to hear a lot of redundant answers. But with a democratic debate, uh, it's just three people, so they're able to get a lot more content in. Whether or not you, uh, we're fielding all of the topics 
is another question entirely, but I think you're able to do broader uh, themes for the debate with more topics in there. I do wish there was more, because I, I, love, I love the debates. I'm tuning in tonight, and I hope other people are too, but I know with the Star Wars movie that it's... Yeah, that's, that, that is another, that is another uh, point to make about the debates. Not only are there less of them, but they are also scheduled at very inconvenient times. This one is, uh, this one is after the release of a major movie, and it's close to Christmas, and a lot of people will be busy. Uh, when the next one in January, the next and last one in January, uh, is at the end of a three-day weekend, so I don't know how many people are going to be staying up to watch it. Most people would just turn, uh, most people would just turn in. They have something else to do. Uh, so, whereas the Republicans... The Republican debates are scheduled generally during a times when they are the only thing on. So it's it's weird positioning. I will I will give the anti uh, DNC credence that uh, the DNC uh, supporters for that, but I I still don't think we needed more of them. And that's just me talking here. Uh, they they are generally better in my mind, and they certainly don't need to be as many. Now, he got his support. So Sanders recap: he's he's been having a wild 72 hours, two major endorsements. He uh, lost he he lost his campaign for a minute, and he got it back. And his support is strong is stronger than ever. And I want to see him tonight. I want to see him bring that to the table. Don't know how many toes he stepped on uh, to get there. But it's certainly going to be big. And I hope he performs a lot better than he has. He usually starts off weak and then says good things afterwards. Okay. Now that I've gotten my, my Bernie spooge off the table, it's time to go to the Republicans. <sighs> oh boy, where do we even start? Well, let's, let's, let's start by ignoring the undercard debate. <laughs> I didn't watch it. I don't know anyone else that does watch it. And I have made the very uh, er erroneous assumption that once you are in the undercard debate, no one wants to see you anymore. It's usually the corral for, okay, you've had your fun, but we'll give you your little debate. No one's going to care. So last debate, I was ecstatic that... Chris Christie and Mike Huckabee were moved to the undercard debate because that means that there's less people on the main debate stage. What I did not account for was that you can get back to the main debate if your poll numbers are up. Usually when you're in the undercard debate, no one's watching you anyway, so your, your support is stagnantly low. But Chris Christie was able to get enough support, and for this one you had to score at least 3.5 nationally or 4% in the Iowa or New Hampshire polling. He was able to get enough support to bypass Paul and Fiorina in, in, uh, in the stage, in terms of support. So, he's back. <laughs> he's back in the public eye. Uh, he's scoring lower than ever in his home state, but I guess nationally he's doing well enough to get back to the big table. So let's go from bottom to top here. Rand Paul has always been a favorite of mine when it comes to the Republicans. At least, at least in terms of who's running for president. He always, he's the only one on record so far that does not want to go to war 
or with with Russia or with ISIS or the Middle East, and that that speaks to me. If I if I had to vote for a Republican candidate, and I'm sure a lot of Democrats would agree with me here, it would be for Rand Paul. Unfortunately, he's I, I thought he was not going to make it this time, so not a lot of people want to deal with him. He doesn't get a lot of uh, speaking time during these debates because no one wants to attack him directly, except for Chris Christie for some reason. Uh, Chris Christie and Rand Paul had a couple of back and forths, and Rand Paul said uh, something that is profound, I guess in the sense, if you want World War III, there's your candidate, emotioning to Christie. He, he has... He has a lot of centrist ideas, I think, or at least a lot of ideas that appeal to Democrats, so he seems like the safest choice in my opinion, but he's not the one that's polling the highest, and I think that is going to be a problem for the Republicans when it comes time for the main, uh, the general election. He seems their best choice, he seems their best, uh, choice to reach across the table, and he's not getting that support. Whereas polling directly above him is Carly Fiorina. Carly Fiorina seems like the Frankenstein monster that was just let loose. Um, she was in the undercard debate. Uh, normally, we wanted to see more of her, and now we're regretting wholeheartedly that we're hearing more about her. She refuses to back down from a lot of her hateful rhetoric. She still wants to go to to war with Russia, like, day one. And... She's been characterized so far in the debates as uh, very argumentative. Uh, she has... Whenever two candidates are arguing with each other, she's usually the third voice that jumps right in. Uh, she had her she had her spat with Wolf Blitzer as as intended as expected, and she's she's not bringing anything new to the table. She is very hawkish, uh, more so than any of the other candidates. Very hawkish. Uh, what's noteworthy about her this week is that there was a viral campaign, I guess, to make her seem more human, and it just looked very very awkward. Usually, when a lot, uh, a lot of these candidates are not unfamiliar with viral marketing. Uh, if you'll recall, uh, months ago, Ted Cruz went on BuzzFeed and did Simpsons impressions, and I guess that tried to make him more of a likable person. People really saw through that, so it didn't get a lot of support. But Carly Fiorina's is just laughably awkward, and it's with a it's with a topic that is so soft. No one but her would have thought about that to appeal to the masses. Why dogs are better than cats. You, 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 you could say a lot of things like, Oh, here's why I love wakeboarding, and to try and get people interested in that. Or, here's why I like Thai cuisine, to maybe introduce that to the minds of some people. But, everyone has an opinion of dogs versus cats. And, you're not able to... The dogs were running away from her, honestly. She wasn't able to get any of them to stay with her. So it was just weird. And then she had to make some sort of attack uh, on Obama during then. You couldn't have just tried to look like a normal person. Ooh, Obama, uh, probably one of your cousins. What? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Why she's still in this 
is beyond me, and she seems like she's going to be in it to the end. Side note on that. I can't wait for Iowa, simply because once the votes have been cast in there, I think at least half of these uh, Republicans are going to drop out. There's no other way. The undercard should stop in general, but once you have a couple of states already voting, you can't pretend that you have a chance anymore at anything more than, and anything less than 5%. So it's, that is, that's just how I feel about that, and I'm looking forward to that, strictly because we need less people on this stage, specifically people like Carpenter, you know. Really burns my head that people like her more than Rand Paul. All right, favoritism aside, let's move on to Chris Christie. Chris Christie has—he didn't learn anything from the first debate. His first debate was character, uh, character, uh, characterized as "I was there during 9/11. I was Attorney uh, General during 9/11. I 9/11, 9/11." And that's a weird gambit to play. Because the the we're we're fourteen years past nine eleven, and it is still a traumatic. Uh, it, it's still a traumatic event for some uh, families. Were uh, families were separated? Uh, maybe entire ones have died. First responders are still sick from that, and it, 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 it's it's a giant mess. It's a it, very dark moment in our history. So it's a. It's a weird gambit to play because it is directly appealing to the heart of the voter. It is not appealing with their head anymore. And that can go either way. You could say, oh, what the, what the intended effect is, is I care about families and I care about the people that are heroes and who will show, who will show toughness in times of crisis. I am that kind of person. But... The wrong way when it's harped is a blatant attempt to seem personable, to show strength, and it is it's it's heartless to do that. It is heartless to use a tragedy as a as a selling point, honestly. That's why that's why when Hillary Clinton did it, there were very mixed reviews on uh, that point. Yes, it was initial it was initial love. For what she said, but at, at, when the dust settled, I think people took a second look and said, "Wow, you really went with that." Ugh. So he did more of that during this debate, uh, and I guess it's 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 more relevant to do so uh, during a foreign policy debate than it is to do during, say, one about the economy. But another another quote from him was. Uh, when I stand from the King Hussein of Jordan, I say to him, you will have a friend, sir, who will stand with you to fight this fight. And he said that about King Hussein of Jordan, but he's been dead since 1999. I don't, I don't know how uh, educated people are about foreign policy, um, but and I think that I think that showed largely uh, during another <laughs> fake poll, I think. When people, when 30% of Republicans, and admittedly, I think 15% of Democrats, said they would be in support of going to war against Agrabah. Agrabah is, of course, the fictional city in Aladdin. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. 
Uh, so I'm not entirely happy that he came back, but he does he does provide some fodder. So that is that is fun. Um, next up, Kasich. Well, what is there to say about Kasich? Really, let's let's. Can we really talk about Kasich? He has very lukewarm policies. I think a lot of it, a lot of his time this time was, I can jump in, right? I can talk about this, right? Not a lot of people want to attack him because he doesn't have a lot of controversial views. He, he doesn't have a lot of popular views, but he's certainly not saying anything terribly controversial. So, Kasich has always been just like that middle of the water guy. It's almost, it's almost not worth my time to really talk about him. So let's let's not. Let's go to the let's go to another big fish, Jeb Bush. Now, when I was watching this debate, I incorrectly assumed that Jeb Bush fighting with Donald Trump was going to be one of the big highlights about all of this. And strangely enough, not many people were talking about it. So I'm like, I'm a little confused. Let me let me explain my point of this. It was a very needed, heated debate. Uh, not even debate, an exchange. Because they were both just yelling at each other for, I don't know, a solid three minutes. And it was needed on both sides. <clears throat> Jeb Bush attacked Donald Trump. It, it, almost entirely saying, you can't insult your way to the presidency. And that is, that is something that he needs to hear. Because Donald Trump basically just talking down his opposition, whether it's on his own party or with the Democrats. Uh, there's... There's no, there, you're not adding to the conversation when you say I'm better than them. So when he kept saying that again, Jeb was the only person to really call him out on it. And it's it's unfortunate that Jeb had to be the one to say that because Donald Trump wasn't going to attack anyone who is polling directly below him. But Jeb Bush really does need to be taken down a peg. He really needs to just stop. He's polling very, very low. What what used to be the establishment favorite is now what happened. It's a bit sad when you think about it. Uh, because he seemed like a very good candidate on paper. It's just that when he started... Uh, when he wasn't able to differentiate himself from his brother, that's when things went south for him. So he's polling low nationally. In fact, I'm... I remember, I think Trump said something along the lines of, I'm, I'm at 42, you're at 3. Uh, learn your place, or something along those lines. And with that in mind, I don't think he's ever going to be kicked out from the main debate. I don't think Jeb Bush is going to be moved to the undercard at all. Whereas uh, Rick Santorum in the undercard was still a major name from four years ago. Bush, I, I think he's got enough of establishment support to say, okay, you might be polling very low, but we're still going to keep you in the main debate. You can get out your tinfoil hats on this one if you want to, but that's that's my opinion about him. He's not a strong candidate. Even if he was somehow selected to uh, run against whoever the Democratic candidate would be, Jeb Bush still wouldn't... He just wouldn't pull enough of that vote. A lot of people were expecting a Clinton versus Bush uh, campaign uh, election, and I think a lot of people are rallying against establishment on this one. We don't want to see political dynasties. 
Whereas that hasn't really worked with Clinton, Bush is getting a lot of the flack for that. Now, next one, Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz is someone that I wouldn't want to be Republican. He wouldn't. I wouldn't want him to be the Republican choice. Uh, strategically speaking, he really, really just appeals to the extreme right. He is very heavy on religion. He is very heavy on uh, anti-immigration. Uh, he's very America-centric, which is something that you want to see, but not to the extent that Ted Cruz is. And he's, he's... I don't describe him as charismatic, but he does have that way of grabbing people's attention, and he does he does have a way of speaking that I guess shows he has a point of authority. And he is he is a brilliant man. He knows what he's doing. I think after this debate, he soared, or sometime before this debate, the list that I have right here has him at fourth, but I'm pretty sure he's at second. I'm pretty sure he's behind Donald Trump in terms of uh, polling. So it worries me to know that he might be the choice if Donald Trump support ever falters. Because I don't know how well he is going to appeal to the other side. He's already he's already has he already has a bad record ahead of him when it comes to uh, how he did in Congress. Remember, he was he was threatening to shut down Congress uh, after after we saw that that could happen <laughs> uh, last year or was it the year before uh, recently. Um, he threatened to do that again if Planned Parenthood wasn't completely defunded, and I think he lost support on that. But it's still important to know that he will hold the country hostage. Uh, if it ever comes to, I, I want my way. Which, I guess, in terms of president, you can honestly do that. I mean, Obama could do that anytime he... He could just not pass anything. Uh, even with budgets, even with laws, even with anything. Anything that Congress does, he could just veto them. And I don't think Congress has enough support either way to override that. But Ted Cruz... I don't know. He probably could work well with a Republican-controlled Congress. But to the extent that he would be the voice for our nation in terms of foreign policy, I'm not sure. Hmm. Anyways, he, he scares me, honestly. And I think another a news story came out that uh, he may have leaked security information that was only privy to people like him. Like, the American public wasn't supposed to know the extent of our security services, which we may have suspected all this time, but he may have let that loose. So I think he's... Un he, currently, he's under investigation for that. What the repercussions of that are going to be, I'm not sure. Marco Rubio has... I've always compared him as the O'Malley of... Uh, these things, strictly in terms of placement, he's always been polling at at least third. I think right now he's dropped fourth, but he seems like a very safe choice. I I, I could see him as the Republican choice, um, but he didn't have a lot of wow moments during this debate. He really didn't. Um, I guess you could say that for a lot of the people on stage, but him more so. He's not really bringing anything different to the table. So, let's see, is 
there anything? Hmm. What differentiates him from the other candidates is he is pro-immigration, thus being the, the son of immigrants. He tells that story every time, and it works. It does he's able to get he's able to get his point across? So kudos for that, Rubio. But I don't know how well that sits with other people, considering that the top runner right now wants to build a 90-foot wall <laughs> from Mexico. He will stick around, though, so I'm happy about that. I'm pretty sure... I, I don't know if he could overtake Trump, but if Trump ever decides to drop out, I think Rubio would take that support. Carson. I'm kind of glad that Carson is dropping so far. I think people are finally, like, done with the Ben Carson ride. He has... He's, he's been shown to be falling asleep during all of these uh, campaigns, uh, out of all these debates. And you know what? That shows, especially since he was asked a question during this uh, debate, and he outright admitted, I wasn't listening. If anyone said that during... If I, if I said that during a college course, I would be chastised to no end. But to know that he is running for president, and he has to he has to muscle his way past... What? Eight other people on stage? You can't do that! You're not allowed to do that! And yet, he, he, gets, he gets a free pass for that. Because he, he's non-confrontational. He doesn't want to attack anyone else. So, I, his support has been dropping. I think right now he's at three or four uh, nationally. And I think we're, we're finally getting tired of, okay, well, he's a neurosurgeon, he's an outsider, but I don't think he's the best one for the job. Oh, dear God. Carson. It's, it's weird that he was able to, you know, garner so much support in the first place. Ugh. <sighs> Let's see. What what else? What else? Could you see him as Commander-in-Chief? I think that's what a lot of... The theme of this debate was, could you see this person as Commander-in-Chief? And Carson, I don't see doing that. A lot of a lot of the... Uh, Cruz notably, I think that was another reason why I was very skeptical and afraid of him. Uh, a lot of these... Came, uh, a lot of these candidates, Cruz notably, would be in favor of bombing. Cruz would carpet bomb, but only where ISIS is which ISIS is everywhere so you can't you can't just selectively carpet bomb that's that's an oxymoron but Carson more so I, I he doesn't look like he possesses a uh, confrontational bone in his body so for him to make uh, decisions on bombing I I just can't see it and then we have to go to Trump then we then we have to talk about Trump Trump. Trump rarely has substance when it comes to a lot of big questions, but he this time he had less so, and I think that sh well when you, when you're not when you're not a representative of the people when you weren't able to represent them in in in, 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 in times when we had to discuss military tactics it shows, and I think his answer for that is I'm just going to get someone on my cabinet to address these concerns for me, and that's fine. That's okay. But right now, you need to show that you have some thinking of your own. Uh, he was asked about the, uh, was it, Nuclear Triad? Is that what the name of it was? 
which is uh, yes, nuclear triad. I'm unsure what the third word, uh, the second word was. He's asked about that, which is our capability to attack um, either by air or by silo, land or by sea, and he sidestepped that question entirely. It, it, he, he, he talks about uh, how careful you need to be or what, what our options are. We have the best of them, but he wasn't able to address any of that at all. But other answers that he gave were basically boasting how great America will be and how great he is compared to others. And that he still gets support for that because it takes balls to it, 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 to show that you are blatantly king of the hill and unafraid that anyone is going to knock you down. That takes guts. But in terms of substance for answers, it's it's not doing you it, it it's 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 at this point, it's like he's winning the popularity contest, but he is scoring low in the testing. And regrettably, there's no way to reconcile the two in the public's eye uh, without being told, "Wow, you are you're just voting for this guy because he's famous, right?" It's almost like an unintended Reagan effect. With him. But that's that's my opinion. That, a lot of this is my opinion. But this this so far is my opinion. He is being uh, he's getting a lot of support because he's famous, not because he's necessarily good or genuinely a competent candidate. I don't know. I I, I don't know what to make of it. Uh, clearly, you can tell I'm not in favor of Trump. But it looks like we may be. It looks like we, the Democrats, might be facing off against him. That's my two cents there. Uh, whether or not we're going to do well against him, that's another issue entirely. Because I know there are people that will not vote for Hillary Clinton, no matter what. But will they Will they throw their support for Trump? Or will they just vote third party? And how will that even factor in the electoral college system that we have? And if Sanders is the candidate, how many, how many people from the Hillary campaign are going to say, well, we need to vote Democrat, we need to at least have that... Or will they say, no, he's a socialist, we need to vote for someone that will keep America the way it is. So, throwing Trump into... I, I don't know how much uh, of this we will have if Rubio would be the candidate. I think it would be, like, less so. I think, I, I think we will still be bipartisan on that issue. But with Trump, support can swing either way. I don't know how many states will overwhelmingly change their colors... In that sense, I, do, I like. I certainly don't see New York going red or uh, Alabama going blue, but we'll have to see. Um, certainly, I want less people on the stage. You you could you would randomly pick some, and I'd be happy with that because a lot of these debates are just fighting with each other, and even to the point of fighting with the moderators. Last debate set an unhealthy precedent where. You can, you can outright just attack the media, and that will get you support. And I think people, I think some of the candidates on stage said that, well, or even thought that, well, Wolf Blitzer is just part of the media, I can just talk over him. Fiorina tried that, Cruz tried that, and whether or not you'd like to say Wolf Blitzer won that because he was the moderator and he told them you need to stop, they still talked over him. 
they still were able to try and get their message across. Even with Wolf saying, Senator, you need to stop. You need to stop. We will get to you. We will get to you. I don't know. I'm, I'm, all I know is I'm tuning in tonight for the Democratic uh, debate. I hope you are too. Uh, if not, well, may the force be with you. Uh, this has been Dean from Run for President Force Run. Uh, get out there and vote. <laughs>